0: Welcome to this episode of Real Christianity. My name is Dale Partridge, where each week I offer 15 to 20-minute answers to tough theological and pastoral questions. This show is a 100% listener-supported audio ministry of relearn.org. And for those who don't know, our mission at relearn.org is to bring the church back to the Bible. Uh, For bold daily encouragements, join the over 500,000 Christians who follow us on social media uh, just by searching for relearn.org on any platform. Now, uh, many modern Christians are finding themselves and their churches uh, fighting more diligently for social justice than they are fighting for the gospel. In fact, uh, some argue that social justice—that is, uh, caring for the poor, feeding the hungry, uh, freeing those who are oppressed from sinful situations—is the ultimate mission of the church. Uh, you know, While these are all characteristic works of a person who's experienced the love of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ— The question is, is social justice really the mission or even part of the mission of the church? Now, as you're going to see in this episode, I don't think it is, but together we're going to look at the scriptures to evaluate not only where social justice fits into the Christian church, but ultimately what the mission of the church truly is. But before we dive in, I just want to make one quick announcement. For everyone who continues to support our ministry, I just wanted to say thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, It is making a significant difference uh, and impact on our ability to continue preaching the gospel and training pastors uh, for house church planting ministry. Uh, As you guys know, the reality of biblical house church is no longer a distant idea, but a very real possibility for churches in the near future. In fact, we actually had several large churches reach out to us in the past few weeks uh, for help uh, to train up some of the men in their churches as they prepared for the possibility of their traditional church being restricted in some degree in the coming years. Uh basically what I'm saying is that uh, by God's grace and just the sheer writing on the wall, um, it looks like uh, our ministry here at ReLearn and Reformation Seminary uh, might experience some steady growth in the, couple, in the coming years. And uh, we're trying to meet the demand now, and we're still in need of uh, more staff, contractors, and some professional support uh, services. I mean, we are—everybody that's here on staff— part-time, full-time contractors is really working around the clock uh, to maintain uh, the integrity and to also maintain the mission uh, of our ministry. So uh, what I'm saying here is if you're a regular listener to the show, uh, will you prayerfully consider just making either a one-time donation or uh, better yet, what really brings stability to our ministry is when somebody commits to making a monthly donation, even if it's like 10 bucks a month um, or, you know, Uh, those who do like 50 bucks a month, those are really helpful because they just help bring some stability. We we can trust that uh, we can make bigger, far further out plans when we know that we have uh, a certain number of donors that are giving monthly. And so uh, your donations are completely tax deductible, and we promise to be wise stewards of your gifts uh, as we serve the church. So you can make a donation if you uh, feel led to do so at relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearn.org forward/donate. Okay, today's question is from Callista from Manhattan, New York, and she asks, "Pastor Dale, I'm a 29-year-old reformed conservative Baptist woman who believes in sound doctrine and theology. I also live in New York City. As you know, this makes it quite difficult for me to find a biblical church. The church I currently attend is becoming more and more progressive and is constantly focusing its sermons and outreach efforts not on the gospel, but" but on social matters like racism, feminism, homelessness, and COVID relief. The pastor keeps preaching heavily on how it's our mission as the church to make the world like heaven. Honestly, I know in my heart that something is off with this position, but I'm not sure what's actually right. Can you please help me understand this more? Okay, great question, Calista, Um, and cool name. Um, I expect that many listeners are actually struggling with this to some degree, depending on what kind of church they're in, and um, they're probably trying to attempt to understand the mission uh, of the church, but also what, where does the church play in the social justice conversation? Um, now, the biblical term for doing social justice is called mercy ministry. Uh, in fact, acts of mercy is one of the gifts given by the Spirit to those in the church listed in Romans 12, 6 through 8. So it's really the gift of sympathy toward those who are hurting. Um, and you may have someone in your church who is obviously gifted in this manner and is you know hypersensitive to those who are uh, maybe in trial or sorrow or pain. And these people are usually out in front, you know, serving the lowly in the church, uh, maybe the elderly, special needs individuals, uh, prison ministry, going to the hospitals to visit the sick, homelessness. Um And they do this without complaining, and it brings them joy to basically extend the love of God to the hurting people around them. Um, But the problem arises when we as a church confuse the commands of Scripture given to individuals with the commands of Scripture given to the corporate church. Uh, So for example, uh, the Bible tells me individually as a Christian husband to love my wife as Christ loves the church, but it does not tell the church corporately to love my wife as Christ loves the church, right? Uh, so on the other hand, I think there's another example, is that um, the Bible tells the corporate church to go out into all the world and make disciples. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the Christian family who stays in their hometown in Indiana is sinning by remaining you know, static in their, their lifestyle. So essentially, we need to separate the individual and corporate ethics of the church so that we can start to identify Really, who is responsible for what, and what are the mission of the church, and what are the the, the characteristic commands for the individuals? Now, in a generation um, that's saturated with emotionalism and sensualism, uh, many churches and ministries have confused mercy with mission, and uh, you know, meaning that they've elevated humanitarian ministry, and as a result. Uh, catered more to the carnal matters of health and economics and physical well-being than they are to uh, the spiritual necessities of divine forgiveness and reconciliation uh, with God through the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. So, uh, you know, some have called this mercy-centric missiology um, the social justice gospel—that's what we've called it, I think, in pop Uh, culture—while other more conservative proponents may argue, oh, it's not the social justice, social justice gospel, it's the fully integrated gospel. Now, it's obvious that, that both Jesus and the apostles support, and, and I would say even command, Christians individually to care for the temporal needs of others. Uh, but how are these commands to be viewed in connection with the mission of the corporate church? That's the question, right? Uh, in other words, you know, is the one true mission, the central vital mission of the church, temporal mercy or spiritual mending? Is it physical philanthropy or uh, spiritual freedom? you know is it moral righteous deeds or is it eternal reconciliation with God? Now uh, you know I believe uh, when we look at these questions there's a ditch on either side of the discussion and as with most issues there's really two extremes right? The first group uh, views uh, the mission of the church as a command, Uh, to bring about the physical manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth. And they want to see physical healing, emotional and mental recovery, and freedom from economic and political oppression. And um, this is kind of why the communistic egalitarian ideals are so popular within the progressive church that adopts this kind of social justice view. And they believe that it's their mission to bring this kind of heaven-like utopia to their local communities. And uh, I actually remember just not a couple weeks ago, I saw a viral tweet um, from a proponent of the social, gu- uh, social justice gospel um, that said, and I quote, so long as Christians keep thinking their faith is about salvation from hell instead of liberation from oppression, we will continue to have to deal with Christian terrorism, end quote. Uh, actually, it, someone responded to that tweet, uh, another person in the social justice gospel community, and they said, Uh, And I quote, they don't understand that heaven and hell are states of being on this earth during life, not the afterlife, end quote. Now, again, these are extreme examples, but that's where this theology ends if your church doesn't operate within the boundaries of Scripture. Uh, You begin prioritizing physical mercy above spiritual mending, and uh, it becomes the central focus and you actually shift that it's not about reconciliation with God it's actually about freedom from oppression and the whole gospel gets perverted and distorted. And so in a sense the social gospel folks really view the church as an army of good samaritans or spiritual samaritans that are looking to bring the the physical goodness of God's kingdom to their local cities and the mission of the church becomes more about what they're doing than what Christ has done. And this view is you know, usually it's supported by folks who uh, disproportionately focus on the ministry accounts of the Gospels over the ministry accounts of uh, the Old Testament or the Epistles or the, you know, just the whole structure of the Bible. Meaning, you know, this group that's kind of, again, focused on Gospel, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Gospel ministry, views kind of the description of Jesus's ministry as the prescription for their own ministry. And uh, namely, that that they— they're, they're both called to, they believe that they're both called to and capable of producing the same type of ministerial work and miracles and wonders and change that's performed by Jesus, right? This is kind of the Bethel doctrine as well. Uh, Mike Ricardi, who's a pastor at Grace Community Church under uh, John MacArthur, in a, a white paper uh, that he once wrote, um, he said... Um, Uh, where's this quote? Okay, he says, uh, the mercy ministry or the mercy-centric view that would have the church, quote, build the kingdom, uh, usher in the kingdom, or establish the kingdom, drastically overestimates both our ability and responsibility to do so. And I actually think he's right. Um, While we are citizens of a future kingdom, and while we are uh, redeemed, you know, um, in part but not fully, right? Uh, we, we have the spiritual redemption but not the physical redemption at this point. Um, you know, we are individually called to be compassionate and benevolent and loving toward those whom we encounter, uh, to, take the, the, to, to, to take those character standards uh, of the Christian life or the miraculous works of Jesus, which again are, uh, just to be clear, the miraculous works of Jesus were specifically to validate His message during His ministry. So to take those, again, those loving characteristics that we are called to do in Scripture and the miraculous works of Jesus, which were to validate His message during His ministry, and make them the mission of the Church uh, forever, the universal forever mission of the Church, is to confuse both the Church's place in the world and its purpose in the world. Um, Now, on the other extreme— We have what I call the Stoic Gospel. So you have the Social Gospel, and then you got the Stoic Gospel. And this view, the Stoic Gospel, is typical of kind of fundamentalist groups that are within the church. They view the mission of the church solely as a gospel proclamation and find their efforts kind of void of mercy ministry altogether. And this view treats the mission field kind of like a war zone, of bullet wounded individuals, right? Like they, they can't justify putting in any time into healing broken fingers and preparing meals when they have—they're just surrounded with all these folks with fatal bullet holes in their bodies, right? I got to go preach the gospel. I got to go preach the gospel. I got to go preach the gospel. Um, now, while this this view, you know, seems to rightly prioritize the gospel message, uh, it leaves the culture with an incomplete view of the Christian life. And, and lacks kind of the extension of the sympathy and kindness that is to be reflective of the members of the church. So um, h- how do we sort out the truth between these two extremes? How do we divide what Scripture calls us to do as individuals uh, with what the Bible delivers as the corporate mission for the church? And that should be your church, for your local church. What's your church's mission? And then that's different from your individual mission. Um, uh, commands in scripture to you as an individual Christian. Um, the first point I want to make is that um, m- mercy ministry is important and it should be seen in the church because we are called by scripture to display the love of Christ to others, first to those in the church and then to the, those that are in the world. Now, if we're going to look at love in uh, degrees, uh, you know, the highest degree of love is not helping people with their physical needs. Now I know that's a big statement, but that's not the highest degree of love. Jesus says in Mark 8:36, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and profit and forfeit his soul, right? So th- this is you know this is a clear teaching that the reigning priority in ministry individually and corporately is soul work. The soul is the most valuable thing. It is the most important thing that we have. The soul is eternal. The body is not, right? In terms of our resurrected bodies will be, I'm not going into that debate, but the idea is that the soul is eternal. We need to be dealing with the soul work. You could gain the whole world. You can gain your health. You can gain wealth. You can gain all these things, but if you don't have the soul healed, meaning you're reconciled, forgiven by God, believe in Jesus Christ redeemed then it doesn't matter right and that so that's just kind of the priority that Jesus puts on it we can't just meet physical needs um, that cannot be, uh the mission of the church we can't also kind of show them jesus through our good works that's what a lot of these social gospel people argue is you know just show them jesus through your good works right they they say that francis of assisi thing you know um, preach the gospel use words if necessary uh, the gospel in you know romans you know 10:17 says so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of christ okay the gospel people is verbal okay the gospel is not your testimony. The gospel is not giving someone a sandwich on the side of the road. The gospel is not your moral example. The gospel is not your Christian life. The gospel is not a donation to a ministry. The gospel is a verbal communication to other individuals who don't believe in Jesus of their current state of condemnation before God, and their ability to find forgiveness and reconciliation by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ alone. Bad news first, and then the good news. And the good news isn't good unless there is bad news, right? Darren Patrick, um, he wrote a book called Social Justice, and he said, um, while our heart for social justice grows out from the gospel, social justice by itself will not communicate the gospel. We need gospel proclamation For as much as people may see our good deeds, they cannot hear the good news unless we tell them. Social justice, though valuable as an expression of Christian love, should, especially as a church-wide endeavor, centrally serve the goal of gospel proclamation, end quote. Um, The great late uh, pastor Vance Havener, um, who started actually preaching when he was 12 years old, he passed away, I think, in the 80s, in 1980s. Um, he said, if they had a social gospel in the days of the prodigal son, somebody would have given him a bed and a sandwich, and he never would have gone home. Okay, so ultimately, um, there's nothing wrong with performing mercy ministry, uh, especially as a church. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's actually a good thing. Um, but mercy ministry is not the mission of the church. Therefore, mercy ministry should never receive greater attention than the mission centric ministry of the church. And um, you know, I, I actually think that this whole social gospel issue, especially here in America, is really a product of affluent Christianity. Uh, when, when you when you get on the mission field in remote villages and try to lay upon those people the weight of the social gospel, you just crush people. Okay, most most Christian communities throughout history can barely feed their own families, let alone spend their time fighting for freedom from political and social oppression for others. Okay, in other words, the, the, the social gospel is not a universal gospel, and therefore it cannot be the true gospel. The true gospel must be able to work everywhere equally for everyone. And that's just, again, a, a revealing point, which again leads me to answer the vital question of this episode, which is... What is the mission of the church? Okay, Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert wrote an entire book um, on this topic. I actually have it in my hands right now. It's almost 300 pages, and it's titled, What is the Mission of the Church? The subtitle is Making Sense of Social Justice, Shalom, and the Great Commission. I had to read this, actually, for one of my seminary classes on evangelism and apologetics. But they answer this question quite well, and I'm just going to read you their answer because they put a lot more work into this than I have. They say, quote, The mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit and gathering these disciples into churches that they might worship and obey Jesus Christ now and in eternity to the glory of God the Father, end quote. So ultimately, the Great Commission is the mission of the church. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm going to read it for you right now. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, this means that Great Commission ministry, which is the mission of the church, should be your church's central reigning priority, not just in, ver, or in words, but also in action. This is what you should be doing. The primary duty of your church, your local church should be this. And Great Commission ministry is really made up of three ingredients. Number one is going out and making disciples of Jesus Christ through the proclamation of the gospel. So you're, you're going out, you're, you're making disciples, and you're making disciples of who? Of, of Jesus Christ through the proclamation of the gospel. That's the first ingredient. Second ingredient is you're baptizing them into the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, the third thing is teaching them the Word of God. Now, to really have Great Commission ministry, you really need all three of those, because that's the Great Commission. Um, making disciples and not getting them into churches is not Great Commission ministry. It's part of it, but it's not Great Commission ministry. Baptizing individuals uh, and not teaching them the Word is is also not Great Commission ministry. Teaching them the Word, um, you know, without baptizing them and, and converting them through the gospel wouldn't make sense either. You need all three. Those are the three ingredients of the mission of the church. Now, I want you to notice something. In verse 18, where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, this means that we are not sent out to conquer the world. We are sent out by the one who has already conquered it. Okay, John 16:33. Uh, Jesus says, I have said these things unto you that it may give you peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. First uh, John uh, 5.4, the Apostle John then writes, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. End quote. Okay, so, so one, overcoming the world, the only way to do that, to have victory, to be free from the oppression of the world— is to be born of God. And faith in Christ, through Christ, like his work on the cross, is the agent of overcoming the world. So if you want to be kingdom-minded, and you want to be mission-minded, and you want to bring victory into the world, you must do so by preaching the gospel of faith in Jesus Christ alone. So we we, we, we go not um, because we have been sent out to fix what is ultimately broken. We go because he has already fixed what is already broken or what is ultimately broken. And, and this is this is the good news that we get to share with the world. It's universal. It's for everyone. Um, and, and we get to go out and preach and proclaim that gospel message. Now, uh, this does not nullify the great number of commands in the scriptures to display the love of Christ toward others in the church and in the world. Now, uh, this does not mean that we become mission-only Christians who divorce the heart of Christian character from the mission of the Christian church. Uh, This simply means the primary mission of the church is to go and make disciples through the proclamation of the gospel, baptize those disciples into the church of Jesus Christ, and teach those disciples the biblical commands of their King or the Word of God. Now, when we, as a church, include within proper prioritization, mission then mercy, um, we begin to see uh, the fruitful and faithful ministry of the church thrive. And we see reconciled souls find real physical needs being met. We find broken people find real healing through biblical truth and genuine relationships. Uh, But most of all, and I think this is the, the kind of crux of the show is that we see the Great Commission being fulfilled and the people of God being revived and restored to their King. So that, in my opinion, Callista is the central mission of the Church. Um, and I'm going to give you guys a few resources that I think will be really good for you, and I think these are really important for us as Christians right now to be very educated upon. Um, so I would read, if you get a chance, what is the mission of the church? You don't have to read the whole thing. It's actually just you could go chapter by chapter and choose the chapters you want to read. But what is the mission of the church? And I'll put a link on that for you guys in the show notes of this episode at relearn.org. If you just search for this episode, it's titled, Does Social Justice Belong in the Church? Um the second uh, resource I'm going to give you is a four-part video series of four sermons that were delivered um, by John MacArthur titled, Social Justice and the Gospel. And then the last thing um, is a PDF. It's on a website. I'll link it to you uh, you know, on this uh, blog post as well. And it's the statement on social justice and the gospel that was really put together by uh, Grace Community Church um, and uh, John MacArthur and ha- that whole conversation. Uh, Crew over there. As you guys know, that I go to the Master Seminary. I went to Western Seminary, but I also go to Master Seminary now. And uh, Master Seminary is on the campus of John MacArthur's church. And so, um, those three, I think, will be really good resources for you to understand this conversation on a deeper level. Um, Last couple things, just uh, if you guys are regular listeners to the show, we'd love for you guys to leave a review. You don't need to write anything, but you can just tap the stars in the podcast app. It would be uh, really, it's just a blessing when I get a chance to read those reviews. So if you do leave them, I will read them. Um, Also, if you don't follow us on Instagram, you can do that at relearn.org in terms of uh, going to Instagram and finding us there. I'm on Twitter at Dale Partridge, trying to release content on a regular basis, Um, but we would love to have you online to stay connected with you as we further uh, our mission here as a ministry. Uh, On that note, thank you guys for joining this episode of Real Christianity. I'm Dale Partridge, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Christianity. If you're a regular listener to this show, would you prayerfully consider making a donation to support our ministry efforts? Simply visit relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearn.org forward slash donate. And for those looking to explore the idea of joining or planting a church in your home, you can download our free PDF ebook titled The Basics of Biblical House Church by visiting relearn.org forward slash house. Lastly, do you have a theological question you would like answered on the show? Submit your question at relearn.org forward slash question. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. We will see you next Wednesday.